Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Giving Our Gifts to God, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on October 21st, 2018. Well, this morning as we continue in our series, if you would grab your Bibles, grab your iPads, iPhones, whatever you use, uh, turn off your Facebook and uh, Instagram, and uh, let's open up God's Word to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 8 this morning, uh, but before we do that, before we get into our, our main passage, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard or someone maybe or a pastor say that, that God doesn't want your money, he just wants your heart? Have you, have you ever heard someone say that? I, I know I have, and, and I possibly may even have said it myself along the way at some point or another. But this morning, what I want you to do is kind of think about, as you hear that statement, that God doesn't want your money, he just wants your heart. And how, how does that make you feel? Does that, that maybe give you a little bit of a comfort in that moment, thinking that God doesn't want my money, just wants my heart? Does that, that kind of make you uh, feel a little tension maybe? If, if, is that really true that, that God doesn't want uh, the things that I have? He just wants me. Well, what I like for us to do is that in, in your insert there, you've got uh, some notes and there's some specific passages that I've I presented for us this morning. And, and these are the words of Jesus Christ. Okay, and, and this is in a moment as we read through the Gospels that we see Jesus having different dialogues with different people. And I think there's some, some great insight to answer that question. If God wants our money or not, if God just wants our heart. And so I'd like to, for us to look at this because it's the words of Jesus and he's the author and perfecter of our faith, right? He's the one that, that points us to the God that created us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to listen to the words, and then we're going to have a little discussion and talk about Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, it's right there in your notes, uh, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says this. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, in the same chapter, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then Matthew chapter 19 Verse 16, it's the parable of the rich man. And in verse 16, it says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And, and as you think about that question, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's coming from a man that has everything. He's wealthy. He's living life, but he wants to know what he has to do next. He's almost like a modern day philanthropist, right? He, he's gained, he's earned, and he's succeeded. And yet he's trying to figure out what he has to do to earn eternity. And it's interesting what, the way that Jesus responds to him. Because initially he just simply says, as you read on in those past, that passage, he just tells the man that the only one that can be perfect is God. So if you're looking for perfection... 
Let me help you understand what that might look like. It's, it's a heart after God. And then he tells the man that he should follow God's commands. And of course the man responds and says, hey, I've done it all. I, I've, I've done all of that good stuff. What must I do? And then Jesus says something that I think we should pay attention to here in verse 21 and 22. Matthew 19. It says, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, this passage is why I think it's a mistake for us to tell people that God doesn't want our money, that he just wants our hearts. See, there's something important for us to learn about how and what we give to God. And here's why. See, the simple fact of the matter is that we treasure our possessions. We, we treasure our money. And, and I think... We have to be honest about that. I think we have to be honest with God because God knows our hearts. You know, there, there's things in my life that, that I hold on to pretty tightly. And it's not just money and it's not just possessions, but there's, there's things that I hold on to pretty tightly. And I think what Jesus is trying to help us to understand as we, as we see this narrative, the story of this man that has it all, is that he knows the heart and he understands that we hold on to these possessions. We, we hold on to these things tightly. And God truly does want our heart. But he knows he has our heart when we come to the place where we understand that we're willing to give it all back to God. When we're willing to surrender it back to God. So what should you and I do? How does that look in our lives today? What are some of the things that maybe, maybe we hold on to, the possessions, the treasures that we have that we just don't want to give to God? What should our gift be to God? Well, it tells us here in the Bible, Paul gives us some good insight in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And so let's, let's read the passage together. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and grace. Lord, the beautiful weather that you've given us, a new day, life. Father, there's just so much to be thankful for. Father, this morning we gather together so that we can open up your word, that we can worship you uh, through song, through word, through our gifts, through our talents, our abilities. Father, with all that we have. So this morning as we, as we read your word, as we read this passage, this letter to the church, Father, I pray that it would just speak to us. Father, that your voice would be clear in the things that you desire for us. Father, you've given us this gift, this gift of grace, this gift of mercy. There's so much that you've offered us, Father. Help us to understand the value and the importance of what we have to give back. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And our prayer is this morning is that you would guide us that you would open our, our, our eyes and our hearts and help us to understand a little bit more the things that you have for us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's together, let's, let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the, the first eight verses. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God 
that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he, as he had stated, Sardic, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Well, here's what I think Paul's telling us that we should do in response to this inexpressible gift that God has given us. I think we should give simply because it honors God. See, when we, when we give our offering and our tithes, we should do it as an expression of our, of our worship, of our affection in honoring God. Listen to what he says here in the first two verses again. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. See, our gifts to God are part of how we give our affection to God, how we worship him, how we show him our gratitude and our thanksgiving for all that he's done and all that he's giving. And we see this picture as we look at the different churches that have come together in partnership. They've worked in in collaboration together to support those that that need help. See, and what's interesting to note here in this passage, in these first couple of verses, is they're doing it in the midst of their own affliction. They're doing it in a moment when maybe things aren't just so great for them and themselves. And I I love what he says. He says here, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. See, they gave not because necessarily they had, but they gave because they knew that it honors God, that God would be glorified and he would be lifted up and this grace that they had experienced themselves, this grace that just consumed them, that gives them this joy that's unexpressible, would be shared with the world around them. Those that maybe didn't know Jesus, maybe those that, that, that just needed a little bit of help, a little bit of encouragement. You know, this simply is, is what reflects Jesus Christ in our lives. See, in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, when we give, we reflect Jesus Christ. Through the gifts that we give, we share our gifts. And it, and it looks in, more than just monetarily. It looks in, in the aspect of, of our abilities, our strengths, 
you know, the wisdom maybe that we have, the understanding even of, of God's word, being able to share what we know about God's word with others and one another, using those gifts, those talents, and those abilities to honor God, to glorify him, to lift him up. See, this is why we give, because it honors God, and it's all about his grace. See, that's why we give generously. If you look at verses three and through five in our passage here he says for they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means as of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us now, I'd be curious to take a survey and, and just ask people in our city and our, in our culture and around the world, you know, what, what does gener- generosity look like for you? Because I think generosity is, is very subjective. You know, we all have different opinions of, of what generosity looks like and what it is. You know, for some, you know, the simplest of things are, 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 are moments when we, we experience that, that generosity of someone else. You know, maybe it's as simple as, as a, a thank you or a kind word or, or an offer of a hand or a, a hug or a friendship. For others, maybe it's because, you know, mom and dad bought me a new car. <laughs> you know, mom and dad are going to pay for this or do this for me or, or someone's going to do this big thing for me. Generosity is, is very subjective. But I love what Paul shares here with us because what he's saying here to us is, is that, that these people were begging to be generous, begging to give whatever they had because they knew the value of it. They understood that this generosity would make a difference. And they did it for others. They did it so people could have. You know, I, I have a friend that, that shared a story one day with me and, and he told me about this, this young lady that him and his wife came across and she had three or four kids and, and uh, somehow, I don't remember exactly how, he got invited to their house and she lived in this little tiny apartment and she invited him in and, and, uh, and when he walked in, he couldn't help to notice that, that this par- apartment was completely empty. There were some blankets on the floor and a pillow, a few toys kind of around the apartment, but there was, there was no furnishings, no, no real anything inside the apartment uh, other than their clothes and a few other things. And immediately he says, you know, my wife and I just looked at each other and God just laid it on our hearts. He said, you know, we've got to take care of this. We've got to do something. And so him and his wife left there and they went and uh, they got furniture for this lady. And they, and they furnished her home. They gave her a bunch of stuff and, and they offered her, you know, as much as they, that she could. And, and, and her response to this generosity was this. She says, I would like to make you dinner. I'd like to offer you some food. And as they did that, he's telling me this story a little longer than I'm gonna share with you of how, how she had almost no food in her refrigerator. Very little and she made him a little meal. It was very simple, very modest. Probably the only food that she had left even to feed her kids. And they all sat, they ate together, they had fellowship. You know, what's interesting about that story, if you were to ask my friend who the generous one was, he wouldn't tell you him and his wife. He would say that lady was the generous one. 
See, because he gave from what he had, but this lady, she gave all that she had. And the difference that it made in their lives is life changing. He still tells that story probably to today. And not to brag about what he did for this young lady, but what she did for them. Because that made a difference in their lives. They, they understood what generosity was. His definition of generosity is completely different because of that one moment that God allowed them to be a part of. Luke chapter 21. It says, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. See, giving generous comes from a heart that understands that they have been given generously. That young lady knew that this couple was being generous with her. She understood that. And she gave back. She gave generously. See, it's an understanding of knowing how blessed you are. And how that, that by giving, you will be a part of life change. See, when someone else gives, it changes you inside. You know, I shared this with you guys many a times, but I like to say it because it's really true. And I, I to today still live by this. I had a good friend that, that uh, wanted to give us a really nice gift at one time. And uh, my wife and I were a little, little proud. You know, we really didn't want to take that gift. And we just said, oh no, we, we just, you know, we can't do that. And she just looked at us in the eye and she says, don't you dare rob me of this blessing. And at first I was like, what? <laughs> you know what? But I, I get it now. I get it now. See, the aspect of giving and giving generously will change our lives. It'll change us. See, that's why we give to change lives. In verses seven through eight, listen to what he says here. As he talks to the church, he says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. He says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. I tell you what, I had to chew on those few verses myself, personally. You know, because there's so many things that, that I want to be good at. You know, I want to be good in my faith. I want to be strong. I, I want to love my family good. I, I, or well, excuse me. Uh, I want to love them well. You know, I want to do all of these good things. And he says, hey, you're excelling in all of these things in your faith, in your speaking, in what you're doing, your enthusiasm, your love. And he says, I want you also to excel in the gracious gift. Listen to how he says it. The gracious gift of giving. He says, not because I'm commanding you. I have no authority to make you, to, to give out a compulsion or to, to, to push you into this. But, it, but it's a genuine test of our true love, not only for God, but for one another. See, Paul talks about all the great things the church is doing. 
But from what I can tell, there's an area that I think in the church needs attention. And he says he wants them to understand the value and the importance of giving and meeting the needs of the saints. Coming together as the body of Christ in partnership so that lives can be changed. Why why do you think that is? Why is it that God wants us to give? Well, I believe that because through our gifts, lives will be changed. (laughs) There's no question. Soul Real Church has been around for quite a long time. We've seen a lot of people come and we've seen a lot of people go. And I want to just share, share one great example of a life that was changed through, through the cooperation of the church, through the gifts. Because if we didn't have this building, if we didn't have these chairs, there's a lot of people that couldn't come here. That doesn't mean that God wouldn't still work. That doesn't mean that God still wouldn't do what he's going to do because you or I, we can't alter God's plan. God's going to see it through with or without us. But the fact that there were many Before us and many today and there will be many more that come that understand the value of giving. There's one young man that I I think about and pray for often that that he started in our youth group at an early age, came through our youth group and now he's pastoring at a church on the other side of town. Isn't that beautiful? See, he experienced the value of other people's gifts and now he's sharing that same value with the world around him. See, the the importance, the understanding that as we give together, as we come together as the church and we we support the ministry that God has laid before us, the plans that he has set before us, that God will provide in ways and do things to help us plant churches, to help us support missionaries, to reach out to our communities and share the goodness of the gospel of Christ. See, when he talks about grace, that's what he's sharing here with us. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The experience of God's grace through his son that died on a cross so that you and I can have eternal life. That he showed us how much he loved us. That he gave sacrificially so that we can have life. And all of that stands behind this one very command that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28. It's a familiar one. If you've been a Christian for very long, you've probably heard this over and over. But Jesus says this, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, there's a command from Jesus. Even though Paul says, I'm not commanding you in this giving aspect. I just want you to understand the value and how your giving will change lives. Jesus commands us as the church he says go therefore and he tells us to share the good news of grace he tells us to teach and show others how important this grace is and to follow the commands that God has set before us the the precepts the understanding of how we should live this life and he says to do it in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and trust in the fact that God is always with us uh, there's a, a question that, that we should ask ourselves as, as a church, as, as Soul Real Church. See, because we are one small piece in a bigger picture 
that God has. But don't, don't lose sight of the fact of the importance of that small piece and every piece that's part of that puzzle that, that God has put together as the church. See, because just as we read, we are thankful for those, the churches of Macedonia. We are thankful for the churches of here in Rio Rancho and in New Mexico that work in partnership to share the gospel. But the question that we at Soul Rio Church should ask ourselves, how can we be a part of that? What can we do to help share the grace that God has offered us? Well, I want to share with you one way that we do that. It's called the cooperative program. So every month, our church, we, we, we hope to tithe from, from the gifts that we bring together our tithes and our offering. We hope to tie to this cooperative program, which this pro- cooperative program supports about 10 different church plants that are going on in the state of New Mexico. Some of them are, are Native American church plants. Some of them are Hispanic church plants. And some of them are English-speaking church plants here within our state. There's about 10 of them right now that we get to support and be a part of. And also along with that, and those same dollars are used to, to support and fund missionaries. Missionaries that, that are, are, are willing to, to give all that they have, to sell all their possessions, to, to just walk away from an everyday life to maybe even making more money than they thought they could to serve God. See, because they encountered Jesus in that moment and they said, Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus put on their heart, he said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. See, you and I may not be called to that, but we are called to give. We are, we are commanded to be a part of this great commission that God has set before us to go out to all the nations. And, and that's a simple way, a part that, that you and I can be a part of. That's a way that, that we can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world around us. Now, there, there's going to be many things that we get to do, even this trunk retreat thing that we're doing this next week, uh, our, our women's retreat, our Christmas dinner theater. Th- those are all ways that we come together as a church, that we partner and collaborate to share the good news of God's grace. And we do it with love. We do, do it just simply by inviting people in and saying, hey, we, we want to love our neighborhood. We want to love our community. We want to love your kids. You know, and that, that love, it comes from a personal, heartfelt relationship with Jesus Christ. See, so going back to the question, do, does God want your money? I would say yes, absolutely. And I, and I say that unapologetically. Because I, I think in our world today, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with God, we, we treasure our money. We, we treasure our possessions. See, and God wants our hearts. And he knows that, that when he has our hearts, that our, our treasures will follow. So absolutely, God wants your money. God wants you to give because there's an important value to it. It's, it's more than we could probably ever understand. Well, I, I want to close our time just simply by, by reading this passage because I, I believe as a church, as, as the body of Christ, we have uh, a phenomenal opportunity here just in our city. You know, um, as you look at the Gospels, as you read the Gospels, 
you see that, that when Jesus begins his ministry and he brings together the disciples and he starts to do his work, if you will, as he begins to, to share the goodness of God, as he models these things, he calls these disciples together and he sends them out two by two. And what he does is, is very interesting and we have to think about that here in our church here as, as a community, as a body of Christ. He sends them within their community. He doesn't send them all the way to the farthest reaches of the land. He just sends them out within their their immediate community to share. And he tells them exactly how to go, exactly what to do. And he expresses them to them to to trust in him. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, he tells the disciples, he gives them this great commission. He tells them to go out to all the nations. And I think it's a lot like where we're at today as a church. Is that, that we have to remember that there, there's a community all around us here in the city of Rio Rancho that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? I tell you, if you're living at all, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're out in the stores or you, you have a conversation with a stranger at all, they, they need to know the hope of Christ. You know, as a church, we have an opportunity. We've been given a privilege together as the body of Christ. Not just two by two, but 10 by 10. 20 by 20, 30 by 30. I mean, we have the, a privilege of being able to share the goodness of Jesus Christ with our neighbors. And it starts right here at the restaurant next to us. It starts at the dentist's office here, and then it goes out from there. But the question I have for us this morning as we close, before I read this last passage, is just simply this. Are you ready to give it all? I don't know what that all is. I really don't. I can't answer that for you. But I, I will tell you, God will tell you. He'll, he'll ask what, what, he, what he wants from you. See, I'm not offering this as a command, but I'm offering this as an opportunity for us to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ with our world around us. And I tell you what, I believe with all my heart that God has great plans for us. And I hope that you do too. I hope you see it. I hope you sense it. And I know for a fact that, that, that you're a part of it because that's why you're here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver And God is able to make, this is important here, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. And truly, your grace abounds. Father, we thank you for just the great privilege that you've invited us in to be a part of this city. Father, I I don't know how everyone got here. I don't know what brought us to Rio Rancho other than the fact that you did, Father. And I'm so thankful that you did. I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing in our community. I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing in the world around us. Father, as a church this morning, we bow our hearts to you and we surrender, we give. We come to you, trusting and believing and 
with just all of our hearts, Father, knowing that you're at work. Father, we know that you have a place for us. Father, as we, as we seek to grow and seek to understand this place that you've given us, Father, I pray that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would show us how to love those that are around us. Father, our gift to you is us. All that we have, all of our treasures, all of our possessions, everything. Father, we come before you and we worship you. We give because you gave. And Father, we're so thankful that you gave, you, gave us your son, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross so that we can have life and life eternal. Father, your word, Jesus, he tells us what it, what it, what it means to be grateful, what it means to give, what it means to walk with you and the difference that it'll make, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. So Father, I pray that, that as we go, Father, that you would be with us every step of the way, that you would guide our steps, that you would open the doors that need to be opened, close the doors that need to be closed. Father, that you would help us to be faithful in every moment, even in the seasons of affliction, even in the moments when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even in the moments that we don't want to, Father that your spirit would just remind us of why we need to. Father, I thank you so much for every person here. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, and we surrender and we give it to you. We trust you and we believe in you. And we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Sol Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at solrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at solrio.com. At Sol Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.